Welcome to NFP's Insights from the Experts podcast. Each episode showcases timely expertise and perspective from members of the NFP community, delivering information, analysis, and solutions that address our clients' most significant challenges. Welcome, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us in another, another NFP podcast. Um, we are excited today to be joined by Gina Partese, founder and CAEO of KindBody. Gina, thanks for uh, joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. So, so I think we mentioned before, as we were, you know, kind of conversing before the start of the podcast, for our audience, the 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 I guess goal here today is really to provide innovators that we work with a platform to help educate you on. Uh, where the markets of employee benefits, health insurance, and related products is going, and hopefully give you some insight into some new tools or new, new solutions that you might be able to bring to the table to further your benefits program. Um, Gina, we'd love to start before we even dive into the business aspect and get into Kind Body. We'd love to let our audience learn a little bit more about Gina. Tell us maybe a little bit about your background. I see that you have quite an extensive background. Um, so we'd love to know more about, you know, I guess your journey uh, that brought you here to KindBody and, uh, you know, anything else you might want sure. to tell the audience. Thanks, Mark. Um, KindBody is my fifth startup. It's my third in women's health. And um, I moved to New York City in my mid-30s, uh, single and carefree, like so many other New Yorkers, and met my husband in New York City and found out that that many of our peers were in a similar situation, and that is now you're in your mid to late 30s getting married at 37. We started trying for children at 38 and had trouble. And I think, you know, I thought that fertility really declined at the age of 40. It starts to decline in your early 30s, and then there's a pretty significant decline after 35, not 40, and then it's it's very, very challenging after 40. Um but uh, we sought out a fertility doctor, and all of our friends in New York City looked like us, dual income, no kids. But we were all seeing different fertility doctors. We were on different protocols, and we were all paying different prices. And none of it was transparent. It was incredibly opaque, and you tried to find an answer, and it was very nondescript. And so that led to really the first company in women's health and fertility called Fertility Authority, which really served to educate um, women and men, same-sex men, um, heterosexual couples, virtually everybody on uh, fertility choices. The industry has changed quite a bit in the last 10 years in terms of vitrification and genetic screening. Um, but the first thing we wanted to do 10 years ago was kind of level set and lay the groundwork in transparency and education. So that company, Fertility Authority, was acquired uh, by Kleiner Perkins and TPG in late 2014, January 2015, um, and that com that uh, company, Kind Body, was um, excuse me, that company, Fertility Authority, was combined with a Kleiner Perkins portfolio company called Oxygen and Eva, um, and those two companies merged to create Progeny. So I founded Progeny in March of 2015 um, to really take the Fertility Authority concept of education. And um, one of the things we did at Fertility Authority was resell physician services. We negotiated rates, uh, value-based case rates across the country with doctors. And then we made a margin between what we paid the doctor and what the patient was paying. It was a pretty popular concept. Um, 
in fact, other provider groups were also doing the same thing. But anyway, um, Kleiner purchased uh, Fertility Authority. We merged it, and that founded uh, Progeny in 2015. Uh, you know, what happened in 2015 is... Um, so many members, um, employees of large self-insured employers and, and small um, fully insured uh, employers were, were like us going through fertility treatment. Um, a lot of the trends for the need for fertility services are macroeconomic. So we know that um, more women now have their first child over the age of 35 instead of under the age of 35. And so you have these, again, they are not coastal trends. They're macroeconomic trends, U.S. and global. As more and more people wait to have uh, children, uh, fertility uh, is at risk. And so um, these members were pushing the large self-insured employers. It's public information now, but the early adopters were Google and Facebook who added um, a very robust IVF and egg freezing benefit. And the real key to progeny was this movement in healthcare from fee-for-service to a value-based case rate, which is kind of taking all those CPT codes and, and consolidating them into one price so that the employer has complete transparency. Um, what we didn't know then, because I, again, I had kind of stumbled in healthcare and really into the insurance space, which is, you know, what, what insurance companies do. They make a margin between what the employer pays them and then what they pay the doctors for. The big trend in, in healthcare now as it relates to employer benefits is you've seen through the Affordable Care Act this mass migration from employers to move from fully insured to self-insured. And now what you're seeing from the fully, excuse me, the self-insured population is the desire to purchase benefits direct. So they are eliminating uh, that middleman, that insurance company, um, and they're negotiating uh, provider contracts with health systems, with subspecialty provider groups. And so today, Kind Body is in the business of delivering fertility care. We have our own brick-and-mortar fertility clinics. We also are joined with 200 other locations around the country. Um, but we, again, we're in the provision of care. We have doctors, we have MAs and PAs, uh, nurses. We have our own um, embryologists and laboratory services. So today, whether, again, they're fully insured or self-insured, the savings is meaningful because you're removing that historical margin what the insurance carrier used to make of kind of 20 plus percent and contracting directly with employers. So that's that's Kind Body. That's kind of the legacy of how we got to Kind Body. Today, Kind Body is a little over two years old. We have 32 employers and then we also have a direct-to-consumer patient population as well as a robust managed care patient population. Awesome. Awesome. It's, it's interesting, the, the the story there. Number one, I was wondering, I, I took a look at your profile on LinkedIn, and I saw these different companies, and I was trying to figure out how they all came together. So it was certainly cool. I knew Progeny um, went public, uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. a few years ago. Well, it went public now. six months ago, four um, and a half years after starting so, it. Oh, it debuted at about a $1.3 billion yeah. valuation, and then about 100 days later had doubled in value to about $2.8 billion kind of pre-COVID. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's a reflection. There's a lot of opportunity in the fertility space, again, as a reflection of these macroeconomic trends. And the employers have changed their yeah. stance, and it's been driven there by their members. Um, but they went from this yep. is a nice-to-have benefit, this is a nice perk, to this is a must-have. We were on the phone with a client yesterday, and hmm. and she said, I don't know when it changed, but we're the only ones not doing this, so we have to do it now. So I just feel like 
it's must, you know, employers are very supportive of their members building families, again, in whatever derivative that family looks like, but they often need support. And so the employers are really stepping up, adding a robust fertility coverage now. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's funny you should say that the must-haves versus the nice-to-haves. We're we're finding that a lot across the board as we're, you know people are living in their new norm that the things that used to be considered to be more convenience or a nice addition, um, virtual care, etc., are are definitely now being looked at as a, a must-have, and it's helping, I think, to. Uh, prompt some change that I think was needed in an industry that is a little bit uh, slower to the punch. Um, what was also cool in there, as you mentioned, and I always, you know, I, I think when I, uh, the majority of the innovators that we speak to, um, the story that led them to the company that they're leading the charge with, uh, more often than not, it's personal, yeah. right? And it's around innovation. What I try to explain to people is that innovation is not about just sitting around the room and thinking up something you're going to do and figuring out how technology can apply. It's rather, it's, it's finding a problem and then solving for a problem. So, you know, we've plenty of problems uh, or challenges out there. It's about finding them and figuring out a better way um, to execute. So, so pretty cool to, uh, to hear your journey and your path and, and certainly congratulations on all that you've done so far and all you're about to do. Talk to me a little bit more now about, about kind body. I mean, we can elaborate on the team, but I also, you know, I, I read on online, I think the, the words were um, <clears throat> full service fertility care clinics in modern tech enabled clinics is what the what I focused on. And I'd love to to distinguish kind body versus the markets and what you're doing. Do you think that's different and, and what classifies it as being that modern tech um clinic that you reference. Yeah, thanks, Mark. If we go back to your question about innovation, and so often innovation comes from a personal experience of the entrepreneur, I would tell you that the very best entrepreneurs execute on innovation that is at the suggestion or recommendation of their clients. So we heard from large self-insured employers, hey, I don't want to pay you a commission to sit between us and a doctor. I want to buy direct. I was like, oh. <laughs> so, you know, we started Kind Body based on, and it is, you know, if you look across uh, most companies, you know, before you had Facebook, you had MySpace. It's hard to get V1 of any new company um, it, it's hard to get it all right. You you learn uh, a lot from making mistakes. Yeah. Hopefully, you learn a lot. You're humble. And then you're better prepared to really execute well on that V2. And so Kind Body is really V2. We took the collective knowledge that we heard from uh, the employers, and we put that to work. So the first one was this direct contracting. I mentioned uh, we are um, in the doctor business today. They're full-time team members at Kind Body. Our clinical team is led by Dr. Lynn Westfall, who joined us in January 2019 after a 23-year career at Stanford. Um, and she leads, again, uh, all of our MDs as well as our NPs and all of our uh, clinical team. Uh, the other thing that we heard from employers was, you know, hey, Gina, you drop the patient along the way. You get her pregnant in an IVF cycle, but then she has a miscarriage and she has to go out of network and find a mental health specialist that specializes in recurrent pregnancy loss. She has to pay that out of network doctor $500, like just treat the patient, treat her for postpartum, treat her for depression related to miscarriage, 
treat her for prepartum. Just treat the patient instead of this bifurcation of healthcare where your mental health doctor is over here, your nutrition and wellness counselor is over here, your primary care OBGYN is in a different location, your subspecialist is in yet a different tower in a different neighborhood of the local city you live in. And what it means is that members traveling four different places, and by the way, it's not just the travel that's an inconvenience for the member, but they're all on different medical records. So every single time it's this laborious waste in the system where the patient is having to restate their history, their medical history, you know, any ailments of your family. And you're like, wow, I've answered this a million times already. So really, again, it was at the employer's feedback who said just treat the patient. So today, when we talk about end-to-end care, we provide all mental health counseling related to, again, this trying to conceive 25 to 45-year-old, any wellness and nutrition counseling, uh, return-to-work counseling, um, well-woman visits, IUDs, STDs, anything that that woman is going through. Certainly, we cover all fertility services, IVF, IUI, um, egg freezing. But this, the business we built today at Kind Body really, again, is at the request of the employers. The third thing we did is at the request of the employers, they demand visibility and transparency. You know, what they want to know is if they're going to have a new single point solution for a benefit provider is that they're not being double billed by the doctor, right? So if you're working with a carrier and then a digital intermediary, um, those two systems are never linked. And so you really, as the employer, are at risk of of paying that charge for the ultrasound to two different people. You may pay it in your premium every month uh, to your carrier, and then you may pay it again through an invoice from your carved out solution. And so the only way to truly create transparency and remove waste in the system is you have to start with technology. So before we hired Dr. Westfall, before we hired any physicians, before we even stood up a single clinic, we invested in technology. So we bought, um, we acquired uh, the leading EMR and patient portal in this space. We've rebranded our own. It's proprietary to us, Kind EMR and our Kind patient portal. But what it allows, again, now is the seamless member journey. So the members log in. Um, you know, historically, when you go to healthcare today, many of them are still on paper charts. There are two choices. Are you male or female? And, and we think that's a poor way to do healthcare today. We think um, there should be choices of pronouns and how you want to be referred to. And so we really treat technology um, we, we treat the member with this very robust digital first experience so that he or she can enter preferred pronouns or he or she can talk about their family building journey. And if it's a same sex couple, they'll need um, an egg donor and a gestational surrogate and, you know, really bringing this transparency. But so much of healthcare care is, is not visible and it's not ill intended. It's just that, you know, technology and digital is relatively new and um, even our doctors would say that they're not technology oriented. So at Kind Body, we really b- bring the best in clinical talent, the best in engineering software talent, and then the best in kind of the business corporate talent. And that's what allows for our early uh, success today at Kind Body. So again, a digital first, patient first experience. Very cool. See, you re- you could touch on a couple different things there that I want to kind of dig into and unpack. So you, you referenced direct contracting and certainly uh, a strategy that's getting a lot more attention, even from a direct to primary care or direct contracting with hospitals perspective. So would you say <clears throat> you, you, you would look at it as if 
again, your typical engagement is with a female, right? And because you speak about a, right. uh, some of these, not now you're going to engage with couples, um, depending upon where they are, but a lot of the ongoing well being, the mental wellness, the um, um, like to, again, the fertility uh, components of it are going to be most directed female. So, and I know even for my wife, like treats a lot of times her OBGYN as almost a primary care. So, you see there's a similar model of saying you know if somebody's building a health plan they're gonna have if they're if they are going down a path of like a direct to primary care type strategy this is a nice complement for a segment of their population that ultimately may not um receive as much care from the direct prime from my primary care and I'm rather looking to the OBJYN almost yeah, as their yeah, primary yeah. care that's that, i mean again i'm no, that's listen, a, i'm a male so uh, some of yeah, what i'm you asking don't know what you don't know right <laughs> but i think you know um you know, yeah, an annual right. well woman visit, um, many doctors can do. Um, yeah. Patients, if you ask the patients what they want, that annual well woman, they do want an OBGYN. If they go to an internist or family medicine specialist, it's simply yeah. because of convenience. Uh, but anything over and above that annual yeah. pap smear, um, fibroid cyst, other things really do need to be those complex GYN cases is where we specialize. We have our own, we do all of our surgeries on site at our procedure rooms and labs. And then again, think about that. If you're coming in to have a cyst removed pre COVID, we argued you didn't want to be in a hospital. Certainly during COVID, uh, you don't want to be in a hospital. Our patients are not sick. Yeah. Um, Hospitals right. are for sick people. And so when you think about Kind Bodies member experience, our locations yeah. are retail. They're warm in nature. None of our physicians wear white coats. They're from the best credentialed Mount Sinai, Brown, UCLA, Stanford. Um, so we don't have to shout their medical uh, pedigree on the walls with degrees or their white coats. Uh, when you when you really build a company around the member experience, the members want doctors and clinicians that look like them. So more than 80% of our clinicians are female. Uh, more than 50% of our team is diverse. That means they're non-Caucasian, black and yellow and brown and straight and trans and gay. And that's what's wrong. And that's what we really seek to create at Kind Body is more accessible care to everyone. You know, historically, when I talk about when I went through fertility yeah. 10 years ago in New York, it was $25,000 per IVF cycle. Not a whole lot's changed in the last 10 years. You're still on paper charts. Yeah. It's still a broken system. And what that means is, you know, unfortunately, only white, wealthy 1% of America get to go through IVF. And we think there's something morally wrong with that. So when we think yeah. about kind body and what drives us every day and what unites us from a culture standpoint, it really is how we change the social inequity in this country and how we really bring down price through the use of technology to make care more accessible for all. And then what you're seeing is in addition, historically it was all cash pay, right? But now you're seeing, as I alluded to earlier, self-insured employers stepping in and adding a more robust benefit sponsorships. And then you are seeing the states get involved. New York State just added a three-cycle mandate. So if you're fully insured with more than 100 employees in New York, you, you must now cover three IVF cycles for your member population. There's a similar law on the governor's desk of California. The law just passed in Colorado. So as of 1-1-2022, same thing in Colorado, you'll have three cycles of IVF. Uh, coverage. So you are seeing, again, uh, more and more coverage in fertility as a result of member needs and patient needs. Got it. Got it. You, you talk about technology and, and 100 percent, I think a lot of things that could be accomplished in the healthcare system are being held back by the lack of technical ability of its legacy systems, right? It's at the insurance companies that have 
such a history with these systems, it's hard for them to make the change that they have to uh, eventually, but it's keeping uh, and holding some of what would seem to be obvious, obvious answers of being able to make for better visibility and transparency very difficult. So I applaud you on kind of taking that step and, and taking it into your own hands, so to speak. Um, let's talk about um, distribution of your platform. You've, you've touched on it a couple of times. I, I, when I speak to employers around, you know, what their health package or their employee benefits package should look like uh, post COVID. And this is actually the same conversation I had pre COVID, but COVID's given a little bit of a, a cover for people to make change. It's been a little bit of a tipping point in some areas. Talk about self-funding. I talk about needing to get access to your data so that you can bring the proper tools and solutions to the table to help, you know, mitigate risk or, or minimize risk or control risk better. Um, you Would you say the majority then of your business is self-funded or is that a stretch? Uh, it's about 50-50 or, today. You know, because obviously well, you're right. I mean, you know, carving so it out. What, yeah. what you're seeing for okay. the fully okay. insured um, member population, again, there there is more and more coverage. So these fully insured companies um, have to now provide coverage. They'll see their um, premiums increase as a uh, a reflection of these state mandates. Mm -hmm. But really, the employers, the fully insured employers, are like, okay, yeah. what can we do more? I'm hearing more and more of my employees ask for an egg freezing benefit. So we are often added as a rider uh, in a fully insured. Um, we, we get asked often to add an egg freezing rider. The other thing that we do uh, for the fully insured um, member population is care navigation and utilization management. You know, typically across whether it's fully insured or self-insured, infertility affects only one and a half percent of your member population. Remember, it's age related. Uh, you usually are in a relationship, although not always. So, um, you know, then the question is, uh, what else can I do for my, it's one and a half percent. What they do want is, is extraordinary care, care navigation. And the carriers are just rarely in a position. You think about it, if you're one of the large carriers and it only affects one and a half percent of your member population, how many resources are you really going to put on care navigation when it's affecting less than 2% of any member population? So that's where a rider with kind body would come in, where they know, all of our care navigation folks are experienced nurses. They're experienced case managers who do nothing but infertility, fertility, and women's health. Like, we couldn't help you with a broken nose or cancer or MSK, but we can really drill down deeply into any uh, fertility or women's health issues. So that's where you see us working mostly with the fully insured uh, is a carve-out to add an egg freezing benefit, and that's social egg freezing. The other thing you're seeing that, that states do with the fully insured is I mentioned add the IVF coverage, but they also now cover egg freezing uh, as medically indicated, which is extraordinary and should have been done a long time ago, frankly. Uh, that affects primarily oncology patients. So you can imagine you're, you know, a young female, you're 22 years old, you've just been diagnosed with breast cancer, you have to go undergo immediate radi radiation and chemotherapy chemotherapy, historically, you would have been sterile coming out of that. And you're still going to be sterile coming out of that. But today, yeah. they would accelerate egg freezing, preserve your fertility so that you did have uh, at least a shot at having children with your own biological eggs later on. So again, there's been a lot of advances. Um, but anyway, so that's what we see most often in the fully insured. Any, any um, I guess, 
conversations with insurance carriers around, um, we'll call it an enhanced, um, you know, um, female care package. Uh, we're seeing a lot of startups and, and I, I, don't, I know you guys have been at it for a little bit, so I'm going to throw you in that startup category, but a lot of point solutions, we'll call it, um, which you have right. many points within your solution. <laughs> um, you know, you're seeing insurance companies be more open to partnerships and almost creating um, here's our standard and here's our enhanced. And obviously the, yep. the client would pay for that accordingly. And no, any, we have any, is that on the roadmap the or today? Remember, at the end of the day, your space? We're, it's unusual. Uh, we think okay. we look more like the future of healthcare, certainly than legacy healthcare. And so that's why we have to explain it often. But, but we are multiple point solutions. We're one vendor who yeah. can handle all of these barriers because that one vendor, again, goes back to the employers. The employers don't want 16 different point solutions because they have to manage them. They have to manage the billing and collections. Right. But we do like working uh, with the carriers. And that's very different than at Progeny where we said we're going to replace the carriers today. We don't talk about replacing the carriers. In fact, we have a lot of joint relationships. If you took kind of the top, six payers we have relationships with more than, well we have relationships on a fee for service basis with all of them but we have larger strategic relationships with the majority of them where we sell alongside of them um, because we think the future of healthcare is more collaborative yeah. than competitive and remember again most of those payers don't want to invest in a member population that was one and a half percent. And so that's why they're like, okay, we didn't want to do this anyway. Can we just partner with you? We are seeing it more and more on the women's health side as it relates to no. hospital systems, because again, women's health primarily is a loss leader for large physician groups and hospital systems. The revenue component is the delivery of the baby, which we are not in the actual obstetrics and delivery. Um, we do everything up to the point of delivery, including labor coaches that follow the member into the hospital. Um, but because of um, overhang, legacy overhang, benefits, unionized labor, pensions, the hospital systems have so much cost already that when they go to bid that out, it's just cost prohibitive. So a lot of times you are seeing these carriers and the hospital systems looking for a partner like Kind Body, who is in the provision of care, who just has a lot less of a cost burden, a historical burden than, than any of the other solutions. So we can actually deliver care uh, with a better member experience, increased outcomes, but for a significantly reduced price. In most cases, it's 22 to 30% savings. Awesome. Awesome. Pretty good. So, so I'm assuming you, you kind of just touched on it, and that's where I wanted to go next. As far as the financial model, in the most of your relationships, your services are being embedded into, a, let's say, in a self-funded uh, program, in as a claim, almost as a component yeah. of the health plan. It's access to yeah, that's exactly right. For Mark. As so it's, a claim it's or, uh, or in the okay. SPD language, it's a custom code. So um, we do all value-based case rates, and it is one global national rate across the country, which is the other huge benefit to any employer because if employers, particularly in the environment of COVID. You're going to have all of these employees dispersed all over the country. And again, trying to manage the reimbursement in Kentucky versus Kansas versus California, you're like, wait, 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 wait. So our IVF case rate is the same whether you're in Kentucky or Arkansas or New York or San Francisco, which seems highly unusual that you can keep costs the same. But it is a value-based case rate. It is a national case rate. 
And then that case rate goes in through the carrier, which serves as the TPA in that instance. But for the employer, the employer wants one reporting mechanism, that TPA, to be able to see all of the claims, to be able to see uh, the adjudication of the claims, the um, full reporting and any kind of co-pays. And that's the other difference we're seeing from employers. Five years ago, uh, employers used to sponsor 100% of the fertility cost. Uh, because there's so much employer demand right now, the prices for fertility services are actually inexplicably increasing dramatically, even though success rates are standardizing across the country. So the success rates of respective fertility doctors, every fertility doctor mm-hmm. in the country is equally good. They're, they're arguably incredibly skilled at what they're doing. But they've started to standardize, uh, indicating an industry moving towards commoditization, which should mean prices are starting to fall in the fertility industry, and they're not. They're actually increasing double digits annually. And it's because you have more and more employer coverage driving up prices. And that's when, arguably, we would say that the self-insured employers have seen this rodeo before it was called fully insured. And they now need to take a breath and say, time out, we've got to control for cost. And the way to do that is to contract directly to drive down cost. Because it left un- unchecked, uh, I can assure you that prices will continue to increase double digits year over year. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So, so, so as we as we wind down here, this has been a great discussion. Tell me about like what an engagement looks like. So, when you know a client decides that they would want to implement Kind Body, you know, let's let's fast forward past obviously all the the uh, you know initial discussions with the client of getting them to understand it, but they say, yeah, let's charge forward. You have a team that helps roll out. Is the communications out to the to the employees just in a normal benefits program, or is there anything? Yeah, normal is out the window in twenty twenty. So historically, what normal looks like is exactly that. So um, uh, we are in October, which is open enrollment. What normal usually looks like is our team is on site at open enrollment. Members have lots of questions. Is egg freezing in or out? What are you doing with surrogacy? What are you doing with adoption? They have a million questions, and our team is on site to assist them. Again, we're in COVID, and so all of that is being done virtual. But exactly, we have a full um, implementation and integration team. They are working in tandem with the employer as well as the carrier. Remember, this has to be seamless for the employer. It all has to flow into the TPA. So we're rolling out um, several new employers Mm -hmm. for a 1-1 start date. That's the other thing that's nice about um, having a fertility benefit solution is it can be rolled out off cycle. We have a 85,000 member life group uh, rolling out April 1st. We had another 10,000 life group that started last April 1st. So you do see an a Q2, a Q3 uh, start dates. It's, it's not unusual to see, again, a March or an April or a May uh, launch date because, again, you're working with a small minority population of 1.5% of your entire members. Um, but they, they, the biggest thing that hurts the member population is time. The number one thing that affects success and fertility is age. And so if you mm-hmm. push it out until a 1-1 start date, it can have <clears throat> uh, an ill-intended ramification of poor success rates if you try and wait until one one twenty two to offer benefits. So we're seeing more and more employers roll out off-cycle. Got it. Interesting. So I'm gonna again, we're coming up on our time here, so I want to be sensitive and appreciate people carving out the time. Some interesting conversation here, and and some really uh, great great stuff. Talk to me about. 
if you have anything on your on your radar from a roadmap perspective. You talk about you know being better based on feedback and client feedback, and that's what innovators do. Like, where do you see the future of of let's say women's care and, and you know kind body in, in particular? Are there things or initiatives you're working towards to help either improve the distribution or improve the value prop or both or you know i'm just curious and maybe catch a little off guard here no you know again but, we um uh, just curious always like you, you start to see going. annually you hear these kind of themes we heard a little bit of it five years ago but now the drumbeat is louder and that is a desire for a global solution you know you, we, employers are asking their um employees to go stand up offices in dublin or shanghai or and and your expats just don't want to be penalized because they're picking their family up and moving halfway mm. across the world so so the HR and benefits decision makers really do want parity and care. Historically, they wanted to do something only domestically for the U.S. patient population. And now they're saying, wait a minute, we really do need to care for our expats as well. So the drumbeat right now is for global solution. Today, we provide that global solution. Um, it's care navigation, and it is our high-quality, uh, well-credentialed centers of excellence network across the world. Uh, we've started in 40 countries primarily, but what you will eventually see over the next three to five years, you'll see kind body brick and mortar locations in London, in Dublin, in Shanghai, in Hong Kong, in Sydney, uh, because really in order to truly effectuate change, you have to be in the provision of care. You have to be in the doctor business and, and doctors need to do, um, egg retrievals in a procedure room. So that means a brick and mortar location, uh, and many locations globally. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. Global, yeah, I, I right? actually never even thought yeah. about that, but we do have a lot of clients that are obviously globalization. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome. You know, I typically end, or I wanted to start ending with like calling on the carpet from a fun fact, but I'm actually going to take the lead on here. I heard you just say something and I'm looking at having looked at your LinkedIn profile. I know that you studied you, at Chapel Hill. Did. Yes. Originally from the South. Cause I heard like a, a, a phrase yeah. in there that I, 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 I know my yeah. Philadelphia comes out from time to time, even yes. though I'm in Texas. Probably I more am. often than not. I, I, I caught it. I was so born and raised from in Hickory, South, North Carolina, and still have family there. Right. So, <laughs> uh, love the Carolinas for sure. So, and happy to be a Southerner living in New York. And I've been here 15 years and still have that yeah. Southern accent. I'm proud of it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. yeah, I caught it in there and I was just totally pivoted here. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I'm going to call her on that. But that's awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, listen, uh, really appreciate you covering the time. If anybody in the audience wants to learn more about Kind Body, get in touch with you, any marketing, how is the best to do that? Your website, exactly. uh, email, yeah, LinkedIn reach out profile, to us. We would all love the above. To hear from you. Uh, we really feel like we only get better by listening first. Um, I, we started today's conversation with that, so it's a good place to end. Uh, but you will yeah. find us service-oriented and humble, and we only get better by listening to you. So please reach out to us. It is kindbody.com, and the awesome. main email is, is navigator, spelled just like it sounds, N-A-V-I-G-A-T-O-R at kindbody.com or info at kindbody.com, and they'll route you to the respective person. And then the toll-free number is 888-KNDBODY. Thanks, Mark. Awesome, Gina. Thank you so yeah, very much for joining us and uh, best, best of luck to everything. Bye-bye.